Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. For today's episode, I am talking with Jennifer Potter again. And this episode deals more with handling and understanding our trauma, you know, trauma from our pasts, understanding our our mortality, and in that process, finding our true, authentic selves. This is part two of a three-parter I did with, uh, with Jen Potter. I'm not going to waste any more time here, so let's jump right in. You know, depending on what someone's going through, I think it can be more difficult to let go of the past than for others. And mm-hmm. in your case, is there any specific advice you might have for someone really struggling to let go of a certain pain from their past? I think to embrace it and not, you know, like you said, do we let, do we actually let it go? And I think it's really hard, especially if it's pain, if it's suffering, if it's something that we've, you know, that you mull over, over and over and over again. But what is it that, like I said before, what is it that you learned from it? What was it that whatever that may be, you know, and people hate hearing the saying, but I'm a firm believer that everything does happen for a reason, good, bad, or indifferent. And sometimes even in the most traumatic situations, it's really hard to understand why, you know, when we start to question those whys. But instead of questioning the why, question the what. What is it that happened and what is it that I can learn from this in order to continue to grow and and flourish as a person like Trauma is always going to happen. Death is always going to happen. These things are always going to be there, but we can choose to let them rule our lives or we can, you know, get up and live our best lives and do the things that make us happy. I own all of these businesses because I can and they make me happy and I'm able to do all the things that make me happy on a daily basis. And I mean, I don't know if we talked about this um, previously, but I had a heart attack a few years ago and, you know, coming to that I almost died situation, I feel like I view things so differently. The way that I feel about things, the way that I see things, the way that I perceive them, they're, it's so different when you get to a point where you think you're going to die. So I feel like my life is a little bit different than some people. Yeah, does it feel like every day is kind of a gift now? Absolutely. Every day. The first thing I do, and, you know, I respect anybody where they are in any type of journey, but, you know, I wake up every morning, I'm like, thank God, thank the universe, thank every higher power around me to give me another day. I opened my eyes and you know, you, you close our eyes at night and you don't know if you're going to wake up the next morning. And especially after going through things, I have a heart condition. So for me, like, it's always scary, but I can let that control me or I can say, hey, I'm here. I get to do something else. We get to have this conversation. We get to broadcast this to other people who get to hear what we have to say. And maybe one person will hear it and just go, you know what? I can relate. I've done my job. That's really awesome, Jen. That, uh, yeah, that, I actually uh, kind of went through something like that um, nine years ago, something like that. And, um, you know, when you have enough time to, like, if it happens super fast, there's not really enough time to really think about it. But if you have enough time to really think about it, like, wow, this this could be it. If you come out on the other side of that, you definitely tend to see things much differently. Absolutely. There like I get teary eyed just thinking about it because I know I know what that feeling and what it feels like. And having a heart condition and you know, even just a few months ago I was rushed out of the house in an ambulance and my kids don't know like 
is mom coming back? You know, she she got rushed out of here in an ambulance and two days later I was back working like nothing ever happened. So it's it's so normal for me be having a heart condition. But at the same time, like I never know the severity of it. I never know like, okay, is this it? But if I live my life thinking, oh, my heart condition is going to take take my life over. What am I going to do? Sit on the couch, you know? watch Hallmark movies for the rest of my life. I mean, it's right. good to sit and watch them sometimes, but you know, <laughs> right. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely more I could even say to that, but, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll leave it alone. You know, I will, I will say this. There, there was a, a point in my life where I lost, uh, my parents. I lost, uh, oh, wow. you know, two people who raised me and, uh, you know, I was still, pretty young, um, early twenties, very early twenties. And, um, one of the things that helped me out that helped keep me going. And, um, you know, I lost a couple of my best friends too, after that, a few years after that, one of the things I think, you know, helped keep me going was I thought to myself, like, you know, me personally, I believe that we go somewhere after we die based on what I've seen in this world, the things that I've experienced in my life, probably a little not so normal. And um, I think that, you know, if, if someone were, if someone passed on and um, they were in a, in a place where they could see you, but couldn't speak to you, couldn't interact with you in any way, they would probably want to see you moving forward with your life, like taking taking what happened and turning it into something positive. But if you allow that to destroy your life, you know, imagine how horrible and terrible heartbreaking it would be to them to see you do that to yourself. I, I, I love that. No, I, I love that. I love that visualization of that though. Like in actually thinking, you know, how do I feel, but how would they feel? Mm-hmm. And always and trying to, like you said, if they're going somewhere else, envisioning that they are always there, that they are always protecting you. Because I'm a firm believer that I'm surrounded by, you know, plenty of people who are protecting me all of the time. And those are the people that I talk to. And you you do. You want to succeed. You you want to be the best version of you. And, you know, they, why did they work so hard to, to make you? Yeah. You know? yeah. So, Jen, um this is probably the question that I'm sure you probably heard the most, so I won't take too much time <laughs> you know, on it. But in your own words, what was it like growing up with ADHD? And you know, how would you how would you say you look at the world compared to someone who doesn't have this disorder? So when I was younger, so two of my brothers were diagnosed with ADHD, but I actually wasn't diagnosed with it until I was a little bit older. I think I was in high school and, you know, I didn't, everybody exhibits it's different. So, you know, one of my brothers was super hyper. The other brother was super chill. And me, I'm just kind of like, I, I was like an airhead. So I'll use that as an example. No, you know, not trying to be mean to anyone because my daughter is very similar. We're super, super smart. But one minute it's like, I'm focused on something in the next minute. I'm like, Hey, go and get something. And she's like, what did, what was I supposed to do again? So I kind of, I can relate to that as a younger kid. So a younger version of me, I felt like I was always, I needed to do something all the time to stay busy. You know, I can be very calm, but it was very difficult for me to sit still um, and focus on things. Like when I became focused, it was more hyper-focused. So if I was doing something, I was like, I was like tunnel vision. And so growing up, I always thought like, maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe like, you know, 
I don't know what it is. And as I started getting older and I started understanding, you know, what it was, what ADHD actually was and, you know, again, again, over the years, truly understanding what it meant to have ADHD and, and saying, okay, I always wanted to do all the things. I always wanted to be busy. I was all over the place. I wasn't, I, I wasn't structured. I probably didn't become structured until I had kids. And even then it was learning, right? So for me, it was really trying to learn how to stay focused on one task for a short period of time and and continuing to do that. You know, for us, especially this day in technology, it's so easy to be doing something here and then your phone rings and then doing something and then you get a text message. So being intentional with our time, I think, is really important and learning how to deal with that over time. So for me, like we started talking about before, like if I have a text message, like if my phone was ringing while we were on this phone, like on this call, like I'm not going to look at it. Even if it's an emergency, they can call somebody else, you know, <laughs> but you know, for me, it's really important to just be intentional with my time and intentional with what I'm doing. So when I go back and look at my phone, I may have 20 text messages, but I'll take 10 minutes. I'll respond to all my text messages. And then in a few hours, I'll do it again. And, you know, sometimes things need my attention right away. Okay. I get it. But if it doesn't need your attention right away, I think it's important to just really be, like I said, intentional when you're sitting and doing emails, just do the emails and give yourself a time limit. So someone like me with ADHD, like I have to have a timer. I'll look at the clock. I'm like, it's 131. Okay. At 141, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk around the house real quick and get a drink of water and then sit back down and do it for 10 more minutes. So it allows me to stay focused because I'm paying attention to a time frame. And I've been doing it so much that I actually don't need to do that often anymore. Mm-hmm. But okay. it's hard. It's hard to stay focused. It really, really is. And even if it's something you don't want to do, so give yourself a shorter time frame. Five minutes. Do it for five minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I know a lot of people will say, you know, well, everybody has that. But um from what I've seen, like, you know, there there are people who really have that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard. Know, yeah. I am pretty sure I have um, ADD, but I just don't have the hyperactivity. When I was younger, I, you know, when I was in middle, especially when I was in middle school, um, and, and when, I, when I was in high school too, but especially in middle school, I had extreme difficulty, like focusing on doing one thing. I could barely do my homework, let alone like focus on like a test or a project or anything. And when I was in, you know, middle school, my grades were like, I might've been lucky to get like a couple B's, but then I was getting like a lot of C's, even a couple D's. And, um, you know, my GPA was always like a C average, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, over time I got better at controlling that, you know, and being able to focus on what I needed to focus on for the given amount of time that I needed to focus on it and then move on to just something, something else, you know? Well, it's hard to do that, especially if it's something that we don't like to do. I think that that's the most difficult thing. So, you know, whenever I have to write like, uh, you know, some type of report or some type of grant or proposal and I'll sit there, I'm like, okay, I got to write 20 pages. I don't want to write 20 pages. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then I find that I, you know, spent six hours, you know, plowing it out because I didn't want to sit still for six hours to do it. But instead I say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go write a paragraph. I'll come back. I'll go write a paragraph. I'll come back. And Mm -hmm. I find that things get done more efficiently because I'm giving myself a shorter amount of any of those things that I'm working on. But like you said, you had to learn over time. 
-hmm. It's really important to do that. I also have a really unique gift. I have a photographic memory. So for me, I'm able to memorize things very quickly, but it's not, you know, some people can memorize things or that have it. They, you know, they can study and they can read it. It's very selective. I have no control over what I remember and what I don't. So that's, those are always bizarre things. Like I'll remember the most random things or, you know, something somebody said, but I can't remember, you know, what your first name is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. <suck> that. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 that's that. It's funny that it goes that way. I don't know if this is similar to that, but like, you know, something I've noticed in my life. So I could be talking to some people at work and, they might bring up like, yeah, you know, there was this, there was that Batman movie. Um, you know, what was that Batman movie that, uh, it had, uh, it, it was like the first guy who played Batman in the movies. And I'm like, Michael Keaton. And it's like, yeah, you're talking about Batman returns. It came out in 1992. It started Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer and blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I can remember amazing. stuff like, yeah, like I can remember stuff like that. No problem. And people will be like, how did you remember that? And for me, it's like, well, it's normal to me, you know, but, um, if someone were to ask me like, um, Hey, what did you have for breakfast yesterday? And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I had because it's something that piques your interest. So can I ask yes. you this random question? Are you able to do that with like sports statistics? Yeah, actually. Yeah. So pretty, it's pretty it's well. funny. That's a unique skill set that a lot of guys actually have because it's something that they're, they're so excited and so focused about that. Like even my husband, we'll be talking about something. He's like, yeah, that game in 1993 and the third quarter, and this is what happened. I'm like, I, you can't even remember the things that I asked you to get at the grocery <laughs> store, but you remember like, you know, we were watching something on Nolan Ryan and he's like, oh yeah. And this is how fast his fastest ball was. And it was like one Oh, I think it's one Oh eight point three. Cause I saw it yesterday yeah. on, on the phone. So at miles per hour, but like he knew that off the top of his head. And I was like, mm -hmm. how do you know that? Do you remember what time your kids were born? Like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's so amazing. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it is really weird. Like, um, I'm not going to get too off topic here or anything, but like, um, so I used to, I, I'm, I used to be a pretty big, you know, pretty good, big fan of uh, WWE, like back in the day, um, you know, late nineties, early two thousands and all that. And I still am a little bit today, but, uh, I would see like the number two fifty two. And um, I'd be like, oh, that was Stone Cold Steve Austin's, uh, you know, weighing in weight when he'd come into the ring, you know, or I might see, um, you know, a different number and know that was some re other wrestler's weight or whatever. And, you know, like weird stuff like that. that That's awesome. It was like impossible for me not to remember. But anyway. OK, so <laughs> <laughs> I swear that's an ADHD thing. I, I think it is. I think it is. All right. So this concludes this episode with Jen Potter dealing with finding our authentic selves through dealing with and handling our past traumas and, and understanding our mortality. But um, that's pretty much it for me today. Stay tuned for next week's episode where that, that episode will be the conclusion of this three-parter that I did with Jen Potter. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and um, take care of yourselves.